Las Vegas. It's so much more than just a city. It's a feeling. It's that feeling of excitement when you spot the lights of the strip out the airplane window. It's that feeling of awe as you stroll down the boulevard taking in the sights and sounds. And it's that feeling of satisfaction knowing that you're in the greatest city in the world. Tens of millions of people share that feeling every year. And I'm just one of them. Here to take you to the world famous Vegas Strip and beyond. My name is Jeff and this is Jeff Does Vegas. Welcome to episode number 173 of Jeff Does Vegas. Before we get into this episode of the podcast, I just want to thank everyone who took the time to listen to the last episode of the show and all the people who dropped me feedback about it. In case you missed it, Adam Bauer, aka Travel Fanboy, aka Cheapskate Vegas, jumped on with me for a deep dive into the world of the Las Vegas Influencer. We talked about some of the weirdness of the last year, changes happening in influencer culture, toxicity within the community, and just to balance things out, gave some shoutouts to people who are doing it right. If you haven't listened as of yet, head to the archives at jeffdoesvegas.com or search out episode number 172, Rise of the Influencers. It's on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Back in March of 2022, I was joined on the podcast by Adam Bauer, who at the time was running a blog called Travel Fanboy, which had evolved from Vegas Fanboy. I asked Adam to jump on the show with me for what I thought would be a one-time discussion about some of the big changes that had happened in Las Vegas over the previous 12 months and to share some predictions on the direction he thought Vegas was headed. Well, that one-time discussion has turned into an annual tradition here on Jeff Does Vegas, and Adam is back for his third appearance on the podcast. We talked about our predictions from last year and what we got right and wrong. We discussed a few stalled changes and shared our opinions on what we thought was keeping those changes from occurring. And we went into Oracle mode, speculating and prophesizing on what we thought would be happening over the course of 2024 into early 2025. Please enjoy my conversation with Adam Bauer. I went back and I kind of listened to last year's episode before... Um, we recorded because I kind of wanted to see what we had talked about last year to see what, what we hit on and what we got right and what we got wrong. And I think we were pretty, we were pretty bang on with almost everything. Oh, that's good. Well, that's rare for me. So that's good. <laughs> Refreshing. <laughs> I want to start off by talking about some of the things that we did talk about last year and stuff that's happened since we talked last year. Um, let's start off with, uh, Fountain Blue. This, um, this is huge, obviously. It opened mid-December 2023. Um, last year when we talked, I had said, in all honesty, I would be kind of surprised if it actually came to fruition. So I can I can eat that and admit, hey, I was wrong. It's open. It's there. Um, what do you think so far? Have you had a chance to actually go through it yet? I walked through it. I think I owe somebody some money, too. Maybe just at my general Twitter followers, because I, I think I had the same sentiment that I'd be surprised. But good for them. I, you know, I don't know if I'm the best to talk about everything Fountain Blue has to offer. I went, it was an interesting time. I went at about midnight Thursday going into Friday. So the first full day it was open going into its second day. And it was kind of like a Fountain Blue hangover where everybody was, you know, had party the night before, obviously well into Thursday morning. And then me, my brother, my, my buddy walked from Sahara over at about midnight after my failed attempt to get a Sahara hoodie. And it was just, it was just a weird vibe at that time. Um, it was not full at all, uh, which is a bit odd for midnight. I mean, midnight, most places, especially that weekend, there was a lot going on. Uh, there was a Raiders game actually that day and I liked it. Beautiful property. I didn't get a chance to try any of the restaurants, the bars or anything. And I just kind of got there at a weird time. So it's, it's not a, I don't think it was its best foot forward for when I was there. Um, you know, we played a little bit of slots, had some fun there. It's, I'll say it's not design wise. It's not really my vibe in terms of, um, not the, the attitude or the, um, 
just kind of the clientele, but I just mean the actual design. I tend to like more confined spaces, not confined, like not claustrophobic, but, uh, you know, kind of more comfy, a little bit lower ceilings. I, I like that when I gamble and there are certain spots where you can find that in the pit and stuff like that. But a lot of it is, I mean, it's, it's massive. It's, it's, it's so, it's like nothing I've ever seen in a casino before. Uh, this kind of multi-level, really, really tall ceilings that seem to go on, uh, infinite. And so I'm really curious to kind of just go back and, and kind of, when it's a little bit more busy, try a restaurant or two, try a bar, and then really give it kind of a good gamble to see uh, if it is something I like. Because it's something that I've said something similar about Venetian too, and I've kind of warmed up to Venetian a little bit as well. Because that again, just the design really isn't my vibe for for gambling. But um, yeah, overall, a beautiful property. I, I think it. I think a lot of people are going to like it for how pretty it is, how dynamic the restaurant offerings are. And it just being another nice luxury resort. Um, I do wonder how well it's going to do in its location because it's, it's got a really hostile direct competitor and win very close by. And, uh, for that, I'm, I'm a little bit worried for them, but, uh, it seems like they're, they're trying to write the ship a little bit with a little bit of shakeup and executive. So it's one of those, those we'll see. Yeah, I had a chance. Um, I just got back from a, a very impromptu Vegas trip. I just sort of decided, um, I woke up one morning and went, Hey, you know what? There's seats, there's cheap rooms. I'm going to go. So I did. And, uh, part of my goal was to take a walk through Fountain Blue. And again, much like yourself, I can't really fairly judge its popularity because I was there at like one o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. Mm -hmm. So again, not really a, a, a fair judge of how popular it was. I mean, obviously it was dead. It was one o'clock in the afternoon on a Monday. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, beautiful property, spacious, airy, huge, that, that casino area, the, the ceilings in the casino area, you know, is 40, 50 feet in the air, whatever. Yeah. Um, gorgeous and, and still has that, that kind of new casino smell and new casino mm -hmm. feel to it. it. It was, it was really incredible to go through. Um, I just kind of thought it felt not quite as, as, sterile or generic as resorts world it definitely does kind of have a theme to it it's got mm -hmm. a a color scheme it's got a feel that's sort of blue and white it's it's very uh feels kind of elegant that blue bar in the in the middle of the the casino is obviously kind of the centerpiece of the whole thing and and looks really really cool um much like yourself i think the biggest struggle they are going to face is the location um with Nothing else really up there. You've got the Sahara, the Strat, Circus Circus directly across the street, which is right. such a weird opposite ends of the spectrum. When you mm -hmm. stand on the street and you look at one side and you've got the dirty clown and then you look on the other side and you've got this multi-billion dollar beautiful property that's directing itself right at the high end um high roller clientele it is it's a very very weird a very weird dichotomy mm -hmm. yeah and they do have some really interesting touches uh in there you know they've got the little the blow ties the bow ties are their big motif and so if you they have wonderful uh chairs on the gaming floor so i mean they're incredibly comfortable they've got the little blow ties like sewn into them uh, into the design really nice touches um actual glass where you know when you when you get your drinks which is always nice so i think Really, it's going to come down to are you are you getting good value there? And I don't mean that they need to be catering to low rollers by any mean, but uh, if you're gonna if you're gonna steal some players over from, like I said, the some hostile enemies <laughs> very close, uh, Venetian win. How are you treating the players that are are putting coin in uh, at a at a decent clip? Um, and I, I, you know, if they do that, then they they have a chance because they have a lot to offer. That was another thing I'm I'm actually a bit worried about is the actual size of the portfolio of their bars and restaurants. They have so many bars and restaurants and can that many survive in that one building? Yeah, it's a big building, but there's only so many people that are going to be passing through that particular building. You think of, you know, Wynn and Encore, which is, it's a large space, but you know, they have, you know, they have fewer offerings in terms of restaurants and bars, but they get them right. And it's kind of the perfect amount for the size. And so I'm a little bit worried on, on, 
about that as well. Cause everything I've seen is, is the restaurants and bars are fantastic. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm wondering if they're cannibalizing each other potentially as well. They have had a few weird little shakeups and stuff too. I mean, you mentioned, we talked about the executives that have decided to, you know, they've lost, was it three or four executives that have, have left and they got a little mm-hmm. bit of blowback on social media over Nacho Gate, which was, <laughs> I mean, Nacho Gate was hilarious, hilarious, but not hilarious. I mean, you look at what that all was. I mean, again, it was $24 for six individual nacho chips and the the response that came back from them was not exactly all that great oh well we're trying to elevate the dining experience nobody wants the elevated dining experience in the sports book they just they want nachos is what they want (laughs) you know score one for guy fietti's trash can nachos here on this even people with money want good nachos i mean that's it's a universal maxim Exactly, exactly. And, and even, I mean, Poppy Skate, uh, Poppy Steak has been another one that's kind of blown up on social media that everybody's kind of laughing about. I mean, I look at this and I go, you know what? My steak doesn't need a stage show. You know, oh, yeah, if, I wanna, yeah. if, if I want a, if I want a steak, I want to go somewhere like the Golden Steer. I want to go to Oscars, even Scotch 80 Prime that I've been to, even the steakhouse at Circus Circus. They, Bring me my steak. They don't make me feel like I'm celebrating my birthday at Hooters, right? Which is kind of the way this Even feels. Hooters it's, it's, is more tame. Yeah, right. <laughs> it, it feels more low key. the The Hooters celebration feels more more low key than Poppy Steak. Yeah. It's just, it, it's very very odd. I mean, do you think that Fountain Blue is going to do well? I mean, they're they're clearly going after this. This luxury market, this high end, um, high roller crowd. But I mean, initially, when you go back and you look at somewhere like the Bellagio, so was the Bellagio and mm-hmm. they have kind of scaled back. So do you think if Fountain Blue is going to go through that cycle as well and just sort of become a, a normalized resort? I think they have a chance. It really is going to depend on the direction they go. And I'm speaking from someone who's, I don't really know what direction they should go because they have more data than I do uh, about, you know, not only just kind of the macro market in Las Vegas, but the micro one as well for their, you know, particular, um, uh, their particular casino. But every new property goes through kind of that curve. Cosmopolitan went through it as well of really trying to figure out who they're marketing to, what the vibe in the casino is going to be what they're going to offer, what their kind of value prop is going to be. And, and Fountain Blue is just going through some growing pains. Resorts World is still going through it. I still think Resorts World has a chance. They just have to kind of figure it out because they have enough there to offer people. But uh, again, it's what what market are you going to try to capture? And like I said, if you're going for ultra luxury, which is what initially it seemed like, yeah, you're, you're in a tough spot geographically or just in a tough spot market-wise. And uh, But it's it's not something that can't, be overcome, especially when you see how beautiful it is in there that, you know, they can do some really dynamic things and they have, they have a lot to offer a particular uh, type of gambler. It's just, can they find that niche and, and offer them, as I said at the beginning, that value prop to, to get them away. And you, you don't have to steal them away permanently. If you can get, you know, these, you know, these high end gamblers away and just be thinking about, you know, maybe I won't stay at Win, maybe I won't be at, uh, at Bellagio or won't be at uh, even, you know, Mirage and, and getting the villas there. I'll give Fountain Blue a try every other trip or something like that. There's, there's definitely opportunity there. So while I'm, you know, I, I think I was more timid about giving them praise at the beginning, but that's mainly because I, I don't have too much experience there. Um, and I think there are a lot of people that are a bit unfair to Fountain Blue. And I think there's a, a bit unfair to new casinos who don't hit the stride right away. I don't, I don't think that's a fair marker for success. So I don't know what Fountain Blue success looks like, but uh, I think once they figure it out, there's, there's definitely an opportunity because so many people love going to Vegas and you know, they could, they could be a casino for someone. That's for sure. I think they're going to do really, really well with the convention crowd being where they are. I mean, essentially they're right up the street from the Las Vegas convention center. And you look at any of those big conventions that roll into town, you know, the big one, CES, NAB, mm-hmm. um, the concrete show, which cracks me up that that's one of the big it's ones. Huge. But at, anyways, th- those big ones roll in. If they start tying stuff in with fountain blue and bringing people over there. Um, I think that's, that's probably their biggest opportunity mm-hmm. to win is with that crowd. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. MSG sphere, or I guess now it's uh, just the Vegas sphere. MSG, I believe <laughs> is out of the sphere business. Um, this was business, something else. That, the sphere business. 
business. <laughs> it's hard to be in the um, business right now. This was something we talked about last year as well. It was uh, getting into, uh, it was still in relatively early construction stages at that point. And I think everybody was kind of looking at it and going, okay, this is a, a billion and a half dollar, 18,000 seat venue. It's going to be a work as a movie theater and a concert venue. Um, ended up opening late October of last year's really made a big splash on the city. I mean, more than anything, it's probably the most photographed landmark mm -hmm. in Vegas right now. Is that, I think that's fair to say. That's fair. I think we were kind of right on this one when we talked about it. But one thing we didn't really consider was that exterior marketing aspect to it. But even at one to two million dollars an ad, it's hard to put a dent into a, you know, a, a billion plus uh, <laughs> cost. <laughs> you know, it, it sounds like a lot, but I mean, a billion dollars is a, a ton of money. Well, they did have a, a quite a rocky start. I mean, Q4 2023, that was really the first quarter where they were open. I mean, they posted a $100 million loss, but I think a lot of people sort of unfairly jumped all over that initially and said, oh, $100 million loss, massive disaster. Oh, mm -hmm. keeping in mind that they hadn't really had an opportunity to do much at that point. Right. I mean, all they'd had was the U2 residency, the postcards from Earth, the, the movie theater thing, which I still don't really get. Um, and, and so, I mean, and some Formula One stuff. But other than that, at that point, they really hadn't had a chance to recoup any of those costs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And I think the one challenge that we may have correctly called out on this one is finding performers who are going to have a residency there that can really make the most out of that particular experience. I haven't seen you two. I've actually never even been in the sphere, but uh, you know, you two seem like a good fit. People tend to enjoy the show from the feedback that I've seen. However, big venue, a lot going on there. And I think one thing that I, I didn't realize was the, the massive cost that it takes to set up a concert event there. So you're, you're not really having these one-off shows coming in because it takes a lot of manpower, a lot of money to design a show around the show, if you will, which is why, you know, U2 obviously has had that kind of extended residency. I know Fish is coming to town too, which is that someone's going to freak out in there because they're all going to be on <laughs> I, that's going to be a fun video to watch. But uh, yeah, I, I'm curious to see if they can get any other big names to come in there for an extended period of time. There's probably several acts. One that I was thinking of was, I think any act that spans decades uh, or you know, a performer who spanned a decades throughout their career could be compelling because you've got just, just a lot to draw from. I was thinking like Elton John might be a good temporary fit at times. He has his musical genre kind of, Wax and wanged and changed a lot. He's a pretty dynamic performer. That might be an interesting one. Um, but I, you know, it's, I was hard pressed to kind of think of others. Maybe Bruce Springsteen. I know I feel really sexist because I can't think of a, a female performer. Uh, but that's, that's on, on me. For me, I, looking at who I kind of thought would make it great in there. Um, I think a Lady Gaga oh, residency yeah, yeah. in the sphere would be amazing if she mm -hmm. went in there with a full on crazy, gaga pop dance show mm -hmm. she would be somebody that would be able to make full use of of that particular venue um coldplay was another one that oh, i thought yeah. would actually be pretty incredible in there yeah both of them neither of them need huge stages either which i know is kind of an impediment too for some of the performers going to the the world of the the bands that sort of span decades bon jovi would be great in there mm -hmm. bon jovi would bring in the ladies like crazy that's yeah. i mean there would be babies conceived at that show. There's no, <laughs> no question there. Um, is Sammy Hagar and Van Halen would be another one. I think oh, they yeah. would probably do yeah. really well in there. Um, after having seen Usher at the Super Bowl this past weekend, honestly, I think an Usher residency would actually do really well in the sphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, these are, the, these are good shows. I was blown away when they announced Fish. Um, <laughs> dead and company was another one again, talking yeah. about people freaking out in there. I mean, mm -hmm. geez, uh, <laughs> uh, they've got, I mean, the NHL entry draft this summer, they're talking, that's going to yeah. be there as well. The last one before they go to a, a non-centralized draft, um, UFC and WWE have shown interest in, in hosting events in there as well. So, I mean, I, I don't know if I get a UFC or WWE event in a venue like that, yeah, that's but weird. It's a weird one in my mind, but I think, I mean, 
the U2 residency seemed to do really, really well. Again, I have friends that went and saw the show and said it was amazing. I probably would have been willing to shell out two or 300 bucks a ticket to go see U2 in that venue. Mm -hmm. What I wasn't willing to do, my wife and I, when we went in December, we thought, you know what, let's go, let's do the sphere experience with Mm -hmm. the postcards from the earth thing and whatever. And when we started looking at tickets and it was a hundred dollars a person oh, no. and I, and I looked and went, I'm not spending a hundred dollars to have a AI conversation with a robot for 40 minutes and then sitting there in a 40 minute long movie to get lectured about how I'm wrecking the earth. Right. Unless which, Attenborough's which is, there like with the mic doing it live. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Maybe I'll go. Maybe, maybe I'll go, but even that's questionable. It just, it didn't seem to me for that kind of thing. And that was where I went right off the top. I thought this is a, a billion dollar venue Yeah. that again, it's going to be an 18,000 seat concert venue and a movie theater. And, and what, what are they going to show in there? That's going to, to recoup that money yeah i mean we're waiting for what christopher nolan to get his hands on some sort of sphere camera he likes like doing the funky filming and stuff so maybe if he gets his hands on you know uh something i did think that one interesting partnership that could happen this there's no rumors of this or anything but nellis air force base does a ton of filming um they actually have a pretty prominent youtube channel and they do a lot of like mock dog fights like when they're training so i thought oh that would be an interesting thing because you get you know, if you've ever seen a dog fight, like you, you know, they're constantly looking over their shoulder and, you know, the plane's moving around. You get to feel, you can hear it in their voice or lack thereof, the G forces that are hitting them. That's not a 40 minute show, but maybe something to tack on or just an interesting, interesting experience to show. I feel like the sphere, you know, it's kind of the shape of their cockpits. Uh, you know, a, a dog fighting movie or something like that. I, I had seen a clip of, uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, and then I had, subsequently right after seen something about the sphere in my timeline on Twitter. I'm like, Oh, that might be an interesting kind of partnership. Again, I don't know how long or how much I would pay, uh, how long that movie would be and how much I would pay for it. But uh, I think there's opportunities there and that's kind of the lesson here. And hopefully again, just like everything else, they, they find their footing and, and can figure out a way to, to use the space uh, as effectively as possible. I thought it would have been a good um, opportunity to do something with formula one in there as well. I mean, they very easily could have done formula one watch parties from inside the sphere. Mm -hmm. I mean, while the race is happening outside the doors in the parking lot, go across into the sphere and you could very easily set up master video on the middle and then all 20 driver cams down the sides. And like you, there's a lot of possibilities they could have done. And if they had shot out tickets for 50 bucks a person, for the race and whatever for that, they probably, you know, that might have actually helped to gain a little bit of favor with the locals. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> They've done something, something cheap and reasonable where people could go and watch the race and, and be near the action and, and enjoy it. That probably would have been. And, and I mean, who knows? Maybe televised sports is a possibility for mm-hmm. them to go with for something like that. Yeah. March Madness, you got multiple games going on and that could be something as well. People can go in and out as they please. You know, I, I think there's, that's, you're definitely onto something there. Speaking of sports, I mean, this, the last 12 months have been a, a big, a big 12 months for sports in Vegas. Mm-hmm. Let's talk Super Bowl because that is, the, I would say, probably the freshest on people's minds just uh, here recently at uh, Allegiant Stadium. Um, I, as much as I hate to admit it, I think it was a very successful event. I'm not an NFL guy. I'm more of a Formula One guy myself. <laughs> um, but I, I think it was very clearly a, an incredibly successful event. Uh, I mean, people were excited to have it there. I know quite a few locals who were, you know, really smitten that Vegas was chosen. I know there's a lot of people who don't like sports. They'll call it sports ball, whatever. They think they're intellectually superior than people who like sports, but, what sports has done for that city in terms of the locals having a, you know, a, a passionate fan base for particular teams and it bringing more events into town uh, is it, to me, it's fantastic. I, I know it's really hard to accommodate every single business. Local businesses as well seem to always get stiffed when large events kind of come to town. Uh, but by and large, yeah, the Super Bowl seemed to go really well. Um, I, I think as an event, it seemed to run really efficiently. Uh, there were no major problems with it, and it seemed like everyone from 
you know, locals who were excited about football down to the players and ownership and the staff seemed to really enjoy themselves and think it went really well. They were initially, I know they were initially estimating a $500 million economic impact. And now they're saying it could be upwards of a billion dollars. But I mean, I've talked to economists and sports economists yeah. and these numbers are always such inflated BS and, and, and they are what they are. I mean, I, kept sort of an, an eye on the big factors, of course, that people always watch are the room rates in mm -hmm. Vegas. And I kept an eye on the room rates. I actually tracked them over a 12-week period yeah, I like because that. I kind of wanted to just see. And over the course of the 12 weeks, the rates dropped about 40% over the course of that time. When I started tracking back at the end of November, the average was like 800 and something a night. And by the end, I think it was like four or five something a night. Um, the big drop that got me was Caesar's Palace was a 74% drop over the week. That's by crazy. the time Super Bowl weekend hit, you could get in for an average of about 350 bucks a night, as opposed to even the week prior, they were up around a thousand dollars a night. So clearly, I mean, again, this is SOP for Las Vegas, for everybody that was freaking out about room rates dropping during Formula One and saying, oh, the the event is an absolute flop because look at the room rates dropping. You and I have talked about this before. This is sort of standard operating procedure for mm -hmm. Vegas, the way things go. Room rates are jacked up right at the start. Everybody gets in thinking panicked. Oh, my God, I got to get a room. Mm -hmm. And then inevitably the weekend before or leading into the event, the room rates are down by 30 or 40 percent this is just what happens yeah yeah and, and especially in a place like las vegas who i think people tend to forget one has several of the largest hotels in the world based on room capacity and has a, an incredible number of available rooms for people when you compare that to like if we're talking f1 austin which doesn't have anywhere near the number of rooms that vegas does nowhere nor near the quality of rooms so when like dates are booked you know or released for the f1 calendar they're they're eating up really quickly and roommates don't go down they just go up um but we're in vegas and, and some of these larger cities yeah they will they'll go up and down but most of the time in a place like las vegas with the capacity they have likely going to go down now don't take our word for it all the time <laughs> you know they <laughs> the ship could be righted and they could you know they could figure out the market a little bit better they probably will next year with their pricing uh for f1 uh, but, uh, yeah, you're absolutely right there. And I think one of the, the interesting things that I noticed when I was in town in December is how much MGM benefits from sports being in town because you have Allegiant, which is in walking distance from, you know, the, the South End, uh, strip MGM properties. And then you have, uh, T-Mobile, which is right there, center strip with all those center strip MGM properties. And so it's really been a boon, uh, foot traffic wise for MGM properties to have those there. Cause I went to, uh, a football game one night and then a hockey game the next. And I'm just sitting there in these MGM resorts going like, man, they're going to get a ton of foot traffic from this. And, and I mean, I think they've got big sponsorship as well with all those events. Mm -hmm. I mean, bet MGM gets in on, on all those events and they have some pretty, pretty large sponsorship in on those events as well. The interesting thing that I did find with Super Bowl and kind of keeping an eye on it, as opposed to other sporting events that I've seen in Vegas is the ticket prices never really dropped significantly, mm -hmm. which it is kind of different from what I've noticed in other events where I've always said, well, if you want to go to a game or go to an event, just wait until the day of and yeah. buy the tickets. The, the scalpers that snapped them all up, they fire sale them off within that last little bit just to, you know, so they can get something for their investment. That never really happened with Super Bowl. Those tickets stayed stupid expensive. Um, right up until the bitter end. <laughs> yeah. And I was shocked. You know, I, I follow quite a few people on Twitter who are, self-professed high rollers and there are people who i would have thought would have gotten comp tickets but were not and were asking around about tickets because they were going to be in town anyway and yeah I, w I was surprised i don't know the dynamics of the ticket pricing kind of industry but you know i think to myself like well if i have a ticket my team's not in the super bowl i'll probably still go because it's vegas and i don't know how many people were you know kind of just holding on to that i mean to me as a player, I can't imagine of a better place to be to celebrate a, a, a Super Bowl. Uh, in Las Vegas, there's so, so many places to, uh, to celebrate and have a good time. I did find comparing it to other events, some of the things the NFL did to the strip and the Super Bowl did to the strip, which I kind of laughed about because it was 
maybe not quite as egregious as what Formula One did on the strip, but it, it, it as a it, sort of the double standard side of it, I mean, they projected ads and animations on the side of Caesar's Palace, mm-hmm. which, yes, looked cool. But I looked at it and went, okay, nobody's complaining about that. CBS Sports took over the Bellagio Fountain and blocked off the front of the view with that. Maybe not quite as egregious as putting up a giant set of stands and cutting down trees that everybody freaked out about, mm-hmm. but still affecting certain people's enjoyments of the fountains. Sure. Um, the, uh, the, the Mirage Volcano was gone mm-hmm. was was like paramount taken Land, away right? from <laughs> everybody the, the the what was it the paramount mountain the yeah. giant dorito on the side of the luxor i mean all of these things i just kind of looked and went nobody's complaining about those <laughs> things is it just a case i just and i brought this up with my friends when i was down there i said i think you guys just hate car racing that's all there is to it <laughs> I think they just hate traffic and anyone messing up their traffic. And that's, uh, that's everything else was just, uh, we'll complain about this too, cause it's happening. But, uh, yeah, traffic seemed to be, seemed to be the big thing. But I think it was, there were definitely people who were very loud about complaining about it. And there are people who definitely their grievances were warranted because of the disruption it caused, uh, especially if you live on one side of the city and have to cross the strip to get to work. However, uh, there were several locals that I talked to who were like, no, we love it. We're having a blast. It's a really cool thing. So, you know, depends on where you get your information, I guess. They are talking about the Super Bowl coming back to Vegas, obviously. Now they're saying, you know, rotate it, putting it into the rotation, so yeah. to speak. They're talking about every three or four years having it in Las Vegas. Does it reach a point, do you think, does it reach a point where it's like, meh, novelty's worn off, nobody cares anymore? Well, the interesting thing for me was watching it, I don't think they used the city in their, like, promotion uh, throughout, like, even the game, right? I didn't get, they didn't overuse, like, oh, we're in Las Vegas and, like, gaming theme and stuff like that. That didn't actually happen. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't know. I think for, I don't know, again, the, the overarching feeling about how the locals, um received it but i think from a an operations standpoint from everything that i've heard because it went so well and not effortlessly but so smoothly that's really what they care about um you know vegas is always going to be a big draw for eyes because it's such a dynamic city so if the nfl sees like hey this worked and it was really clean and easy we had enough we had enough space for you know our staff or operational staff and everybody the broadcasters and all that then yeah, I can see it getting back into the rotation um, quite frequently just because of that. Talking of F1, I mean, again, this happened back in November. This was a, a an event that, as we said, really did kind of leave um, a bad taste in the mouth of a lot of locals. There were the vocal, super vocal people that were just annoyed and aggravated about it. And then there were other people that... Um, came up with suggestions for solutions. I know, uh, uh, I think his name's Ross Mollison who runs, uh, Spiegel world. He talked about how they lost money mm-hmm. on formula one weekend because they had to shut down shows right. and they couldn't, you know, people weren't getting in, but he went with solutions as opposed to just straight up complaining about it, which I thought was great. Um, I mean, again, five months of construction and traffic tie-ups the local and small businesses said they were affected there were show closures um i actually talked to one of my friends uh, my friend kenny davidson who does the uh, uh piano show the piazza lounge at the tuscany every friday formula one weekend they didn't get to do a show mm-hmm. uh, tuscany shut them down and said no show this weekend and that was the first time uh in 10 years that he has been other than COVID, um mm-hmm. has been shut down for for a show so i know there were a few entertainers that kind of had a, a a bit of a a bad taste in their mouths. Um, again, some of the spectators kind of got screwed over with the whole practice session stuff and the cancellations and the delays. You mean and that first like that. race that was canceled? Was that the, the- first race <laughs> that was canceled? <laughs> that whole thing. Yeah. I mean. It, what what was your sort of overall thought and impression on F one in Vegas? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll, I'll I'll say I appreciate afterwards the the very direct specific impacts that we could hear because I think what was overshadowing a lot of that was a lot of people saying, "Well, traffic sucks on the Strip." We're hearing that from tourists and from people who work there, and you know, in in my mind, I think in the mind of many others, like, okay, well. Is that enough of a complaint to warrant it not coming back again? There are a lot of people saying, well, it's not, it's not coming back again. It's over. Uh, we're like, well, no, that's, that's not true. It, it's definitely coming back. 
Um, but that overshadowed, I think, a lot of these very specific uh, worthwhile uh, complaints to be raised from small businesses, from performers, as you said. And uh, and there's even, um, you know, probably what I would say is uh, different casinos up and down the strip who are impacted more than others as well that probably want to have their say into you know, how they're, how F1 is kind of ingratiating themselves within the community and, uh, and just the strip as a whole. And, uh, yeah, I think, I think they've got some work to do there. I know both of us are really excited about it. I think for people who went, who I've talked to, uh, they said they had a fantastic time, both locals and tourists who went and said, yeah, it was great. And, and it happened to be one of the best races of the season, which was odd because there was not a ton to fight for, uh, at mm-hmm. that point in the season too. So I think the fact that it was a really good race helped, but yeah, there's, there's a lot to iron out and this happens every time they, they open up a new track and, and you know, they, they start somewhere new. And so I'm, I'm hoping that next year they learn a lot. Construction obviously won't be as bad this year. I don't know how long it will take. Uh, but yeah, but I, I think I hope they, they take that feedback seriously and um, do well to, like I said, kind of ingratiate themselves and and see what we can do about uh, mollifying some of these very worthwhile concerns. Yeah, I mean, I I don't know that you would really call the event a smash success by any stretch of the imagination, um, despite the claims that came in from Formula One and from Caesars and MGM about how well they did and stuff. And you're right. I think being the first year, there's some major growing pains that they need to work through. Um People need to figure out that this year, I mean, as these, as the race goes on, as things go on longer, obviously it's going to get easier. It's going to get better. It's going to get less intrusive mm-hmm. into the lives of people. Um, and I think they, there's a few things they need to work on to make it a little better for next year, ingratiating themselves within the community, doing a little bit more, maybe offering some better general admission packages mm-hmm. and some better vantage points and things like that. I think those are, those are some important things that they, they really do need to do. Um, I think you're right in saying what sports has done for Las Vegas. I think sports, Vegas has really moved itself into proving that it's a sports city mm-hmm. from the Golden Knights to Formula One to the NFL to the impending arrival of Major League Baseball which to is, which is not all of well all of received. the other things. <laughs> yeah, all the other things that are that are showing up in, in Vegas now. But I think the city in and of itself needs to do some stuff to make sports better. I mean, I saw footage of um, what the traffic looked like following the Super Bowl. Mm. And it was an absolute shit show. Yeah. It wasn't, quite frankly, the strip might have, might as well have been closed based mm-hmm. on what mm-hmm. I saw. It was full on gridlock there. Something I think that they need to do in the city is they really need to work on, uh, better infrastructure for mass transit yeah. within the city because you've been in Vegas on a weekend. I've been there on a weekend. Getting around Las Vegas in a weekend is terrible when there isn't a big event right, going right. on. You throw in something like Super Bowl, you throw in something like Formula One, you throw in something as little as a Golden Knights game. Mm-hmm. And getting up and down the strip on a Saturday night or on any kind of weekend is an absolute nut show. So without some proper um, public transit and public transportation and mass transportation coming in, the city is is is. I mean, it's kind of screwed when it comes to sports and big events. Oh, you're absolutely right. And that's, and that's where certain places are going to benefit. And I brought up MGM before. When I went in December, I'll have a trip report coming out. Who knows when? Uh, but you know, the NFR was in town. There was a Raiders game on Thursday. Friday night, there was a hockey game. And then Saturday night, there was a UFC fight all happening in that little south central corridor with all those MGM resorts. So I said, well, we're staying at MGM Grand and Bellagio because both are generally pretty easy to navigate to walking distance from, you know, where we're going to be. We're at MGM Grand on Thursday and Friday. You know, we could walk to Allegiant, no problem. And then later on, you know, we're at Bellagio, which was easier to get around that area too. But other than that, like I would not have wanted to try and get out of a night's game and try and get an Uber or whatever. I mean, it just, there's a mass of people um, and, you know, people have wanted some sort of better mass transit system forever, as you said. And uh, as you add another, another, 
arena there, a baseball stadium, it's just, it's just going to get worse. Um, and it's, it's especially bad when these events kind of overlap with, you know, in, especially in the winter with, uh, with football and hockey. So we'll see. I'm not holding my breath because, uh, it's kind of like Detroit. They just have no interest in, in putting any sort of rail system there that, that's sufficient. I mean, they're talking Vegas loop is, I mean, that's the savior. Um, I don't see it. I don't buy it. I don't get it. I mean, we rode when my wife and I were there in December. Um, it was during NFR, same thing. And we actually rode the loop from the convention center over to resorts world. We rode it for free, which I'm a little worried about now because everywhere I read, it sounds like you're supposed to pay. And we didn't <laughs> you just walk down. You just drove we just your walked, own We took the escalator down and got in a car and went. So I'm worried that somewhere along the line, Elon Musk's going to send me a bill for 10 bucks yeah. or something. But yeah. anyways, um, I mean, grandiose plans on this thing, but is is the Vegas loop the answer? I just don't feel that moving people, four people at a time or five people at a time in Teslas in a tunnel is an efficient way of getting people around. Uh, listen, I, I've said a lot about this. I'm I'm with you, but as we've learned from Fountain Blue, we can be pleasantly surprised as well. So we will see, I guess. <laughs> That's all I can say. I wish I had more for you. I really do. Some of the things we talked about last year that, I mean, haven't changed, which was kind of a bit of a surprise. We're, you know, we're, we can talk about them again this year, which is nice. Um, yeah. Cosmopolitan. Mm -hmm. um, we are well over, what is it, a year, 18 months now into the sale of the Cosmopolitan over to MGM. Um, still not a part of MGM Rewards. Still not bookable via the MGM Resorts website. Last update we heard was later in 2024, whichever, whatever that means. Um, any theories in your mind? Let's play conspiracy theorist for a second. Any theories in your mind as to what is taking so long to get this changeover done? Uh, well, I, I don't think the, the cyber attack helps by any means. Um, but in my theory, which is based on absolutely nothing, um, <laughs> but my theory is it's, it's taking them, it's a little bit harder for them to merge identity and which is the cosmopolitan program and MGM rewards. I think it's, that's a little bit harder than maybe they originally, um, realized. Um, how are the points going to transfer over? Is the ratio the same? How are we pulling in all this data um, effectively? Because I don't think they want any hiccups uh, to happen. And yes, I do think the cyber attack is uh, has had a significant um, cause in that particular delay. I mean, when I was saying at Bellagio, they were having hiccups at the front desk, at the elevator still, that they were blaming on the cyber attack. No, I don't know. The security guard said, oh, yeah, the cyber attack to that floor, or it's messing up with the elevator. So I'm like, okay, I don't know how much I buy, you know, uh, that. But uh, yeah. certainly the front desk was having some issues still, and they were kind of venting those frustrations. But that's that's my kind of theory. Um, but I do think they'll get there in 2024. They've already announced – the um, the MGM Marriott Bonvoy partnership and how that's going to look, uh, which is great. So you're going to be able to tier match. Um, you can right now, actually, MGM to Marriott. You cannot match from Marriott to MGM, which is kind of upsetting uh, some people who had Marriott status. But I don't really think MGM, and rightly so, values hotel loyalists as much as a hotel company would value the money coming in from, say, like a high-rank-and-file gambler. Uh, but then I think one of the more interesting things, and I tweeted about this today, was that they're going to have reciprocal point transfers. So your MGM points can transfer to Marriott and your Marriott points can transfer to MGM. What that's going to look like, I don't know. I'm assuming Marriott points will transfer to rewards points for MGM. But as someone who I earn Marriott points just kind of on the side, you know, just through different programs, that presents kind of a really interesting opportunity there because I don't tend to stay at Marriott properties at all. So there might be some good value plays there. And that's something that I'm, I'm kind of watching out for. Any thoughts on um, the Cosmo post sale now? I mean, I've seen various YouTube videos from different creators and, and stuff on Twitter and stuff on social media, people talking about the condition of the Cosmo and the state of the rooms and customer service being not great and things like that. 
Um, any any thoughts on where that's at right now? Yeah, so I stayed there in 2023 or late 2022. I'm not remembering, but the service was fine for me. The room quality definitely has gone downhill. And I believe that's something MGM has announced that they're rectifying, so there are going to be some room renovations. What that looks like, how uh, detail-oriented that's going to be, I don't know. My room was not in a state of what I would say Caesar's disrepair, but it was certainly not looking good for the room rates that they're charging. Uh, you know, they're charging mm-hmm. luxury room rates. They're charging the same as for the night I was there at, for when, and I chose Cosmo because they have that uh, that kind of key perk which is the the terrace overlooking the fountain and that's it and so my hope is that they just they don't squander that really valuable asset they have in those unique rooms because that can go stale for a lot of people very quickly and i'll say that i'll give cosmo another chance even without a renovation to the room but if it's really the quality is remains the same or continues to go down i i would take my money elsewhere at that point yeah, my wife and I did Cosmo. I think we actually, we talked about this in, in, in last year's, uh, episode discussion that we had stayed at the Cosmo in, I think that was December of 2021 that we stayed there. And, um, yeah, the room was nice, but I mean, it was showing its age. Mm-hmm. There was little things, you know, like things like the, the, the toilet randomly ran that, yeah, every that's weird. five minutes for like 10 that seconds at a time. And, and, you know, just strange things like that, like just, you know, again, showing its age, maybe needing a little bit of a refresh and the, the housekeeping wasn't great mm-hmm. and the, the service levels didn't seem quite there yet. Now, at the same time too, that was on the back end of, of, you know, sort of things starting to come back from COVID. So mm-hmm. could cut them a little bit of a slack on the, the service side of things. But yeah, if the rooms are not, um, getting better or being kept up, maybe the way they should be. Um, yeah, I'm going to take my money and go to another property that's maybe a little more higher end, not Caesar's Palace, because I just stayed at Caesar's Palace and there was <laughs> nothing really fantastically special about staying at Caesar's Palace. I paid $29 a night for the room, so I, mean, I can't really complain all that much. It is what it is for 29 bucks a night that I'm not going to complain too much. But, but yeah, it, it does kind of feel like I'm seeing more and more of these complaints uh, from people saying, you know what, we stayed there and there were problems and it wasn't as great as what we were expecting. Yeah. And I think MGM has kind of a, a pending problem on their hands with a lot of their higher end resorts. Aria is showing its age a little bit. It's always had that kind of modern design aesthetic to it, but now it's starting to look kind of modern. Yeah. 10, 15 years ago, this was kind of modern. Uh, but you know, the, the furniture is getting nicks and, uh, it's kind of looking like time to up upgrade same with Bellagio I just stayed in a Bellagio suite and yeah it was not a perfect room especially for what I paid for it which was 700 bucks a night it's like would I stay here again for that price absolutely not given the condition of the room beautiful room you know when when you first walk in but when you start taking a kind of a a finer look at it. It's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot that needs to be updated and renovated in here. Little nicks and, and stuff in the paint and things like that, which if I'm being nitpicky, um, you know, forgive me, but if you pay that much, I think you're allowed to be. So you got come these kind of core resorts, Cosmo, Aria and Cosmo, what is Cosmo, Aria, Bellagio, excuse me, that, uh, that do, they, they need a touch up and they need it fast if they want to, you know, be competitive still, um, you know, with some of these kind of higher end resorts. Yeah, if I'm paying $29 a night for the room, I'm not complaining all that much, but if I'm dropping 700 bucks a night, yeah, I'm I'm complaining if the 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 desk has scratches in the legs. <laughs> right. That wasn't I didn't mean that as a humble brag by the way. That was more of a uh, and I'll talk about when I release my show, but like that was always a suite I've wanted to stay in forever. I've been kind of eyeing it and uh yeah. it, it was funny, I was at the front desk and I had it in my mind, I'm like cuz I had, I think I'd pay 200 bucks for the room that I was in. And I said, "Okay, because she's going to offer me an upgrade. If it's $500 or less and it's a Bellagio suite, I'll take it because it's, you know, I haven't been to Vegas in a while and I don't know when I'm going to go again. So that's what I'll pay. And she goes, well, I can get you into the Bellagio suite. I said, okay. She goes, it'll be 500. I'm like, all right, damn it. You got me (laughs) right on the nose. (laughs) Called your bluff. (laughs) I hate when they do that. She was good. She's like a mind reader. Um, let's talk Mirage for a second, uh, soon to be eventually 
to be the hard rock. Um, when we talked about this last year, they had just sort of done the switch over from the MGM rewards over to the, uh, was it the icon icon Mm -hmm. program that they have for, for hard rock. Um, again, things are really kind of running status quo over at the Mirage right now. They haven't done a whole lot to that property. I mean, there's been a couple of restaurant closures. They've done a few little renovations and some construction on the property. They shut down the big cat habitat and things like that. But I mean, really nothing too crazy going on at that property as of yet. No, nothing like physically, nothing seems to be moving um, that we can see. I know operationally behind the scenes that are obviously you know, hemming and hawing and got work to do. But I will say that I think they've done a really good job of keeping players interested in that property, despite it not being one of the larger players in town. Um, and despite nothing, you know, no hotel development. And again, that's another property that's, that is aging a little bit that, that does need to be looked at, but offering tier matches and their, um, their comps have been elevated compared to MGM. So I think people who like Mirage are still continuing to go there because they're being rewarded. And I think they're doing a good job of keeping people interested in that resort until all the changes are made, till that giant ass awesome guitar is built. And, uh, they've really got something, you know, uh, to show for it. So I, I bravo to them for just kind of keeping things, as you said, status quo, but I think maintaining a solid player base to, to be interested in, in sticking around. I know everybody has kind of said they've thought the last couple of, I mean, they thought Formula One was going to be, that was going to be the, the catalyst to move things along for the, the guitar, uh, guitar tower construction. Cause it's going right where the volcano is. And then when Formula One was done and they pulled down the, the grandstands and then they reopened the volcano and everybody kind of went, Oh, okay. Well, maybe not. <laughs> and then when they announced that the Paramount was coming in and putting in the Paramount mountain and the virtual gondola ride or whatever, again, that's sort of going through the, Oh, well, maybe this is going to be the <laughs> end of it now. And, and I mean, they've got big plans for this property that, that hotel, the guitar tower hotel has been uh, approved. That's been done by the County. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about a revamp pool area and expanding the gaming area and theater expansion. So, I mean, they've got Big ideas. Mm-hmm. They, I would imagine they've got to get going on that soon. At, at this point, it might be a ukulele we're looking at, uh, at, at the strip <laughs> if they don't get moving soon or when that guitar is coming in. But yeah, I, I, this one, I am, I almost respect how, uh, how slow they're going in a way because I, I'm sure they want to get it right, but it's not like they've never built a guitar tower before. They have plans for one. So, um, yeah, I, I have no idea what's, what the holdup is, but, uh, you know, I don't know how many, um, contractors that they can find that have ever built a guitar before. So maybe that's, that's what it is. They're just, they're just not finding that right crew yet. The renderings look cool. It really does. I know people don't like it, but I, you know, I, I think it fits in. I've always said, I think you feel the same of like, bring that ostentatious stuff back. Like people really dig it. You know, uh, I, I, I can't wait to see it. I said it last year and I'll say it again. I hope they bring back all that memorabilia that was in the old, original hard rock oh yeah off the strip because that was for all of its faults and the location of where it was it was probably one of the coolest properties on the inside just because of all of that that cool rock and roll memorabilia walking through seeing the guitars seeing the outfits mm-hmm. seeing the pianos seeing the 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 gold albums and all this yeah. that was cool shit and i'd love to see that come back yeah, people liked Hard Rock too. The center bar there was fantastic. It, it, I mean, it really had kind of a, a bit of a cult following there. So, getting it, giving it a bigger stage to to let it play, that should be should be a lot of fun. Let's talk twenty twenty four. Let's talk predictions and thoughts for what's coming up this year. Um, this is always fun because again, this is the time when yeah. a year from now, you and I can sit down and see where where how right we were, how wrong we were on all these things. Um. April 2nd, 2024 is going to be a, a, a red letter day in the history of Las Vegas. That's going to be the, uh, the closure of the Tropicana as they get set to make way for, uh, Major League Baseball coming into town. The Tropicana. I mean, this is a property with a lot of history behind it. There's a lot of nostalgia yet. I don't know. It feels like less people care about the Tropicana closing than about the, Mirage Volcano going away. Yeah, I'm so ambivalent about the Tropicana. Like I have no, <laughs> I have no feeling towards it whatsoever. Like, yeah, the stained glass is really nice. Yes, there is some history, but that history 
has been long forgotten. They haven't been keeping kind of the allure of that casino alive, if you will, like some casinos can. And so, no, I'm not, I'm not particularly sad to see it go in <laughs> Forrest Gump, but that's really all I have to say about it. I, I got nothing else. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's a weird place. It's got that. As my a friend of mine a few years ago put it when he came to Vegas with me and we had some time apart, I was doing a conference and he tagged along with me for the week. And uh, so he went for a stroll and he walked through and he said when he walked into the Tropicana, he felt like he had walked into an episode of the Golden Girls, like yeah. straight out of 1987. Mm-hmm. Like he says, he was expecting Blanche and, and Rose and and uh, and Dorothy to come strolling out of one of the rooms into the casino because it just it had that feel to mm-hmm. it. It's just very white. It was like a put down for me in high school. Like that's just what it is. You walk in, it's just too white. There's nothing going on there. And it's not, it, it's, it, I, it's like, um, it's similar to MGM Grand where it's like, it's, it's deceivingly in a bad location because it looks like it's near everything, but it's actually not very easy to get to. You got to go out of your way and there's nothing to go out of your way for. It's just, yeah, you strain your neck, look at the ceiling for a bit. It's beautiful, but. Other than that, there's there's much cooler things going on uh, in the rest of the city. Resort fees is a big thing that's been in in Vegas news as of late. 2024 seems to be the year of uh, increasing resort fees. Uh, MGM announced uh, the high properties: Aria, Bellagio, Videra, Cosmo. They're going up to 50 bucks a pop. Um, still saying 45 a night, which I still think is nuts. Mm-hmm. Um, Win and Encore just increased their resort fees to 50 bucks a night. Caesars, you think they'll be next? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, they've always they've always lagged. I mean, they were when resort fees first started. They were like, "Hey, no resort fees from us, guys." That was like their big marketing campaign. And then after a while, I was like, "Okay, we're kind of doing resort fees now." Like the <laughs> my unpopular opinion on resort fees, and this is one that that a lot of people don't share the opinion with me is I, as much as I hate them, and as much as I think they suck. Um, it's really not all that bad. And when you break down room rates in Las Vegas compared to other places that I've stayed, um, even with the resort fees, it's not that expensive to stay in Las Vegas, depending, obviously, you know, asterisks here, Mm -hmm. depending on what's going on in the city, if there's big events, blah, 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 blah. But I mean, I did a road trip this past summer down to Denver and I stayed in Billings, Montana at a comfort Inn or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was $135 a night. Those are the worst. When you say it like a small town, it's like 300 bucks. I'm like, Oh, I could be a Bellagio for this right now. This is killing me. Right? <laughs> mm-hmm. No, I'm with and you. Some of those, and some of those places do charge like a tourist tax, which is essentially a resort right, fee. Right. <laughs> it was definitely worse for Vegas when, Virtually no other city was doing it. I will say, like, interestingly enough, talk about persecution mania from before. I wrote something very similar to this where, like, I don't really care about resort feeds, blah, blah, blah. And I think everything I said in that piece was technically true, but I got a lot of negative feedback for that piece that I wrote. It's like in 2016, but it was really good criticism. Like, it was all valid and it regrounded me into thinking about, like, what's a consumer first kind of mindset? And consumer first mindset is like, yeah, resort fees are are slightly predatory uh, in nature. Some might say they're aggressively predatory. Um, I think more and more people are aware of them now, so it's maybe less so. But I will say frontline employees, especially for new travelers, hate resort fees. Hotel employees who have no control over resort fees hate them because they're constantly the ones getting the negative feedback about them. They won't. They don't want to have to reveal that. They don't want to you know, deal with that with the customer. So it is a pain. I am with you, though. I, I think... Grand scheme of things, Vegas still remains a, a really good in terms of hotel room rates. But yeah, I, I got nowhere to go but up right now uh, because no one's acting uh, against them. So I know there's some some wins that the government's getting involved, but who knows? Let's talk Rio for a second. This is um, a property that's seeing a little bit of a resurgence mm-hmm. in the last six months or so. Um, they sold that property. I mean, it used to be a Caesars property. It was sold to Dreamscape 2019. Caesars operated until late last year. Dreamscape 
taken over. They've started doing a, a lot of stuff. They've done room upgrades. They're starting to do overall property refurbishment. Mm-hmm. Do you think, I mean, is the Rio going to see second life here? I actually think so. And I'm, I'm glad you brought this topic up. I think this is one of the more exciting things for me uh, in terms of resorts, maybe more so than Fountain Blue, which I get, I think is a really nice resort, but I think Rio can really find a stride here. And I think it's, it's happening at the right time. Whereas I think like, for instance, Circa is in the wrong place at the wrong time. I think people are starting to become a bit disillusioned with downtown. It's not the fun party scene anymore for some people. It's kind of just where you go to have a cheap room, but overall the vibe is just, and the, the clientele, some people think is diminished. I, I'm certainly in that camp, so I'm not going to hide behind the phrase some people, me. Um, <laughs> and I don't want to spend 200 to $300 to stay downtown. Uh, whereas I think Rio can really capture a growing sentiment that uh, value is being uh, lost at a rapid rate in Las Vegas. I think they can capture that. Uh, yeah, they're, they're a bit off the strip, but... Their partnership with Hyatt, they've got some really cool room setups there. Their suites are just, the the layouts are really neat. Some of the, the more interesting room layouts uh, anywhere in Las Vegas, they can refurbish those rooms, get that Hyatt partnership established because Hyatt's a really popular hotel brand domestically, um, can find some really good value uh, with, uh, with point bookings through there. And I think the rewards program, that refresh has done really well. They've got some really interesting like monthly benefits, like credits for drinks and stuff like that which is good for bringing in locals as well. So I think if they can capture a, a mid-market gambler, a lower mid-market gambler, they can do well for themselves. If they get, like I said, those, if those, the rehab goes really well, if they can get some, uh, some vibrance back into, back into that casino. Um, I, I think they have an opportunity there to, to do something pretty significant. And my wife and I stayed at the Rio many, many years ago. I want to say like 2018, 2019, somewhere in there. And I mean, the only reason we stayed there was because we had driven up from Phoenix and we had a car. Mm-hmm. And at that time, the Rio wasn't charging for parking mm-hmm. and I didn't want to pay to park and I didn't want to drive on the strip. And yeah, the room was eh. Yeah. Um, and the property overall was eh. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the room size for the value, as you say, like, I mean, they're all suites, they're big rooms. Mm-hmm. It was a massive space. So if they can turn those around and do some big reno, big renovations in those rooms, I think they're they're really poised to do well at that property. Agreed. Agreed. If you're a fifteen, twenty-five dollar gambler and you can get a, a room that size, or maybe even upgraded suite if you're putting in significant hours, like yeah, you might you might consider going there. Um over, you know, say like a, a park MGM, which is what you'd be kind of gambling anyway at minimum. So yeah, there's there's opportunity there if they if they can capture it. And they have they have a good management team there, I believe. So uh, I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how that develops, and I will certainly, if things go well, book a night there at Rio to to give it a go myself too. So Rio, if you're listening, I will take money to stay at your. I will take my I will waive my no freebies clause for the Rio. I'd also do it for a win in a number of other places, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm in the same boat. <laughs> I will even I will gladly disclose, disclose that it. you have paid for me to stay wherever I'm staying. I'll disclose who um, didn't offer me money as well. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, do you think 2024 in general? I mean, have people? Do you think this is going to be a year where people kind of put their foot down and say, "Okay, I've had enough with fees. I've had enough with being nickeled and dimed. I've had enough with all of these things." Is there going to be a tipping point or are people just going to keep taking it and the properties are just going to keep giving it? I, I mean, I think we're going to just keep taking it. We're all going to continue to bend over and take the Vegas fees and continue to enjoy ourselves and continue to go back. Now, I could be completely wrong, but we've been saying that, not you and I, but just in the general Vegas sphere, if you will. And saying this is too much. There's got to be a tipping point. And every year it seems like they're breaking records for, for people coming into town. Sports certainly has something to do with it, but you know, it, it <laughs> we just keep going. Uh, we keep mildly complaining, but we keep going. We keep having a good time. And despite some of the fees, there's still good value to be had. So, um, unless something really nutty with the economy happens, uh, I, I still, think it's a, a destination that people are going to go to in droves. Um, thank you for taking time to jump on. 
and uh, have this conversation again. And uh, I look forward to uh, doing it again next year and finding out what we were right about and what we were wrong about and uh, where the, the state of Vegas is at uh, a year from now. Thanks. I, you know, we'll, I guess this time next year, we'll see how far I got into 2024 without breaking my don't get involved in influencer drama uh, <laughs> goal. I've been good for the first six weeks, I'll say, but uh, yeah. that can, that, that can change on a dime. So it's all it's going to take is one, <laughs> one thing one and that's going to be it. Non-disclosure at Gold Coast and I fly off the handle is what's going to, what's going to happen. <laughs> No, I appreciate it, Jeff. I always have fun with these. And you are, I mean, we, we, you know, we didn't compliment each other, but you are one of the good ones. Uh, professional quality. I always love listening to your, your, your stuff and, uh, always great conversations to be had. Always well tempered, even keeled, um, valid criticism when it's warranted. Um, really like, uh, hopping on and, and chatting with you. So appreciate it. I appreciate that a lot. I appreciate that. And I, and I mean, I would say the same about your tweets, but they're definitely not even keeled. No. <laughs> and, uh, Quite often, <laughs> quite often are not valid, but I love it. You know, so. <laughs> everyone's got to have their thing. And that wraps up another episode of Jeff Does Vegas. If you've got feedback on this episode of the show, or any other episode for that matter, or you've got suggestions and ideas for topics you'd like me to cover on the podcast, please feel free to reach out via social media on Facebook, X, or Instagram at Jeff Does Vegas. You can also email me directly at Jeff at JeffDoesVegas.com. In the meantime, thanks for checking out the show. Be sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts so you'll be notified the instant a new episode is released. While you're there, go ahead and rate us and write a review. And don't forget to visit JeffDoesVegas.com for past episodes, show notes, Vegas deals, and more. My name is Jeff, and this has been Jeff Does Vegas, a Walker New Media production. <laughs> <laughs>